Welcome to Episode 6 of Living in Recovery, a podcast devoted to sharing the stories of fellow CPP employees who are living in recovery with an addiction. The focus of this podcast is to share the experiences of those who have struggled with alcohol or drugs in the hopes of breaking the stigma that's often associated with addiction. Also, the goal of this podcast is to stimulate hope amongst those who may be struggling but are discouraged or intimidated by the prospect of seeking help. As a disclaimer, the words expressed in this podcast are based on personal experiences alone and are not meant to be taken as medical advice or to promote one method of treatment. Today, Jimmy shares his recovery experience and how treatment helped him come to terms with his addiction. Now Jimmy discusses what works for him in his approach to recovery. Jimmy, when did you first know there was a problem? Pretty much the first time I drank. I I, uh, I, I don't have an off switch. So probably uh, 12 or 13, I went to a party and somebody had a bottle of wine. And somehow I ended up passed out behind the shed. I, I mean, I, from, from the first time I drank, I just, I didn't have an off switch. I didn't know that was a problem then, but but I, I just... If if there's alcohol, I'm going to drink it. What thoughts and feelings did you have when you realized that this was a problem? Desperation. I, you know, in my teenage years and in my early 20s, I, I, I didn't really think of it as a problem. It was just a, a lifestyle choice, maybe not a good one, but it was a lifestyle choice. And as as. Everyone around me started growing up. I had less and less friends. And then you wake up one day and you have no friends and nobody wants to hang out with you because every time you drink, you're going to end up passed out in a corner. You said you thought of this as a lifestyle choice in your teens and 20s. What what switched that mindset for you from lifestyle choice to, oh, this is a bigger issue for me? When I quit drinking. No matter how much I drank, I showed up to work. Um, I, I, I always went to work. And, and now this was before CBP, but, um, I didn't call in sick ever. And it was a, a Thursday, um, a Thursday before payday Friday. And the, the, so I had no money and, uh, I wanted to drink and the neighbor needed his brakes done. And so I called into work and, and did my neighbor's brakes and, I got the 20 bucks for doing his breaks and I was just so disgusted with myself. I was like, Oh, so this is who I'm going to be now. You know, in six months, I'm not going to have a job and nine months I'm going to be homeless. And, uh, so instead of taking that $20 and, and buying beer, I, uh, I went to a meeting, but I, I, you know, I, I had beaten myself down to the point that I, I mean, I knew that, that I, I knew that I was going to be dead if, if I kept doing what I was doing. And, um, so, so I went to that meeting and, and I was miserable and, um, I got home and, and my mother had knew, known that I, that I had gone to a meeting. And so she called me and she was real excited. And she said, uh, she said, Oh, how was it? You know, what, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about it? And I said, Oh, it was horrible. I hated it. And you could kind of hear the disappointment in her voice. And she said, Oh, okay. Well, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, go back tomorrow. I, because I, I just, that was, that was the, that was the last, the last shop on the block that, that was, you know, it, I, I just had to make, I had to make a choice to, I, and I just thought I was going to be miserable for the rest of my life. But 
I was going to be miserable and alive, not miserable and dead. Mm. So your mother knew that you had an issue with alcohol? the, The whole world knew I had an issue with alcohol. I worked in restaurants primarily because you can work in restaurants and be a drunk. So, so I, you know, I was a, I was a cook for a lot of years, not because I liked cooking, but because you can show up drunk. Because like I say, I, I always showed up to work I, in whatever state I was in, I showed up to work. So that was just, that was, that was a job that I could hold and, uh, and keep doing what I was doing. How did your alcohol use impact those around you or, or did you know? At least for me, alcohol, it, it makes you very selfish. And and I, I don't I don't mean selfish in a mean way. It's just um, getting getting that next bottle of liquor, that next um, a case of beer is is more important than anything else. It's you know I, I was married briefly and it it ruined that marriage. It, it ruined every relationship I had. And it wasn't it wasn't because I was a bad person. I don't think people thought I was a bad person, but I just I, I was addicted to alcohol and I had to prioritize getting alcohol. Uh, above everything else and you know that's that's what i did for a lot of years and it just that drove people away because you you couldn't count on me for just about anything because if i needed to drink then i needed to drink and it didn't matter what i had promised to do for you i i was going to find a way to do that so what made you choose aa was that just the the known available I'd had an uncle that, that that had been in the program. I, I had a landlord that was in the program for, for a little while. And um, she had given me a, a, a copy of the big book, what AA calls the big book, the, the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I I had read the book just for something to do. And, and so I was, I was familiar with it uh, uh, on, on that level. And then, you know, what, what I'd seen on TV or in movies, didn't really know what it was about, but I just, I didn't know where else to go or what else to do. So that's where I went. When you decided to start going, was it a choice to just continue showing up? I, I was an everyday drinker. I, I mean, from, from probably the time I was 16 and a half and 17, I, I drank regularly. By the time I was 19, I drank every day. And I mean, I, I might have missed a day or two a year from the time I was 19 until I was 30. I drank every day. I, I knew I needed to quit drinking. And I just that that scared me almost as much as dying. But that will to survive, I guess. Um, I don't know. There's something kicked in and I just decided that that's that's what I was going to do. And if I was going to do it, I, I was going to do it all the way. So from that first meeting, I, I, I never drank again. Um, I, after two days, I went to bed for four. I, I was pretty sick, um, you know, just going uh, cold turkey off of alcohol. And so I went to two meetings and then didn't, didn't show up for probably four days. And then for the next 10 years, I probably went on average six times a week. And then probably at about 10 years, I realized that, um, I couldn't make AA my life either that that much like I I go to work to take care of my family. I went to AA to stop drinking. I didn't I didn't want to replace my addiction with alcohol for an addiction to a recovery program, which is is what I had kind of done and what I needed to do for a little while. But but I wanted to start living again. So um, I still go regularly. I just 
it's a couple times a week and um and it's really because i enjoy going I, you know i i and i enjoy helping others but yeah for the first 10 years it was it was every day i had to that's what i needed so that's what i did much like drinking i just for the next 10 years i pretty much prioritized aa over just about anything if if there was a birthday party or something i was going to go that i you know that somebody wanted me to go to I'd figure out how to go to a meeting earlier in the day or something, but I was still going to go to a meeting. I for for a long time that's what I did. You said you enjoyed going to the AA meetings. What did you enjoy about it? You make friends, and so one of the things that that they suggest in AA is you you get something called a sponsor, which is just somebody who's been in the program a little bit longer than you, and to kind of guide you, teach you, um, help you help you through the process. The the man that I, I picked to ask to be my sponsor was was two things. He was always happy and he scared me more than anybody else in the room. It, it was a retired drill sergeant. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and and, and but but I wanted I, I wanted what he had. I, I, I wanted to be happy like he was. I, I didn't want to pick somebody. I didn't want to try to find somebody who was going to um, take it easy on me. I wanted somebody that was going to tell me what I needed to hear. Did he? He did. He's still one of my best friends to this day. That's awesome. Sounds like you picked a good one. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he was. He was my. Uh, I moved across the country for uh, uh, for CBP to um, for the Border Patrol, and um, so you know, so when when I made a geographical change, I needed to find a sponsor that I could meet with face by face. But that was the only reason he's not my sponsor anymore. What do you feel like you got from meeting face to face? Other than, you know, besides making a phone call. Um, no, there's nothing wrong with, with making phone calls a lot, but just that, that human contact, being able to sit down with somebody and, and talk face to face. For, for me, that was important. You know, that, that, uh, with technology, whether, whether it's Zoom meetings or, or, or phone calls or, or anything like that, they're great and, and you can do that a lot of the time, but, we're communal creatures and, and at some point you need to sit down face to face in for me anyway. So you moved across the country and picked right up where you left off, found a new sponsor and found a new sponsor. And, um, well, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I had to find, um, find a meeting that, that, that I wanted to go to. Um, because I, like anything else, uh, uh, the, the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous are full of different personalities and and so I just I wanted to find uh, uh, people that that I wanted to to go to meetings with. Um, I ended up I go to a meeting now at a at a recovery house. So it's uh, it's most of the guys are in there. It's pretty fresh, pretty raw. I think that that I can help them some, and and there was lots of folks there to help me, and so it's important for me to help them. You said that you were drinking into your 20s at what age were you when you went to aa 31 so just into my 30s gotcha yeah so so i i I drank straight through my 20s and you're at a point now where you're at this recovery house and have you gained any sponsees i I do work with some of the guys but a lot of these guys that it's one of those places they go to 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 kind of dry out before they move on to either to more recovery or, or, or they don't figure it out and they go to jail or so uh, I work with them, but I, I haven't, I haven't picked up any long-term sponsees. They, they, 
they typically come to, to where I'm at. Um, it, it's kind of a, a rural part of the state and, um, they, they come down here to, to try to get their head on straight and to, and to just get through the initial steps of, of quitting drinking. Um, so I, I don't tend to work with people more than, more than 30 days. There's some that I still talk to on the phone, but because the way the program worked for me was you have to meet face to face sometimes. I, I really encourage them to find a sponsor wherever they end up. Do you feel like it helped your own recovery to be at this recovery house helping these guys? Oh, absolutely. So after after I had um, after I'd been sober for one year, for the next year, every Monday I went to the juvenile detention facility and talked to a different pod of of kids, and some of them some of them had already started having problems with alcohol. Some of them didn't have any, but I'll say what kept me sober my second year was going and talking to these kids every Monday. I'd go spend an hour or two uh, in juvenile jail. That was, it was hard and these kids didn't really want to talk to me, but it's my hope that, that something I said to some of those kids helped them later on. I don't think I helped any of them right then, but it certainly kept me sober. Working with others is just, it's an important part of, of what I do. Um, it's, it's important for me to, uh, to give back. And, um, so, so that's, I mean, that's where my recovery is now is, is, um, I've, I'm past the desire to ever want to drink again. You could set any kind of liquor or whatever in front of me and, and I'm just not interested in it. I grew up in a part of the country where, where there wasn't seafood. So I didn't grow up eating seafood. So if you put lobster and shrimp and salmon or whatever in front of me, it's not interesting because I, I don't eat seafood. And that's how I think of alcohol now. I mean, you could set it there and it's just, I don't look at it as something, oh, that looks good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look bad. It's just something that's not for me. You said you started treatment in your, in your early thirties. Were you concerned that that would hurt your career? In law enforcement? Um, I didn't start. I, I, I was hired on by CBP at 39. So so I'd been sober. When I applied, I'd been sober seven years. Uh, I, I, I was very concerned, but I was very open about it, um, uh, about, about what I'd done and, and what I'd been through. Nobody really seemed to have a problem with it. I, I was at... Um, Oral hiring boards, which is part of the process to, to get into the border patrol. And I get into the room and, and so it's, it's three guys in dress uniforms and they're, they're, they're all kind of mean mugging me. And, um, first thing he says is, uh, tell me something you did wrong and what you did to fix it. And don't give me any of that crap about speeding tickets. So I, so I told him, I said, well, I, I, I drank straight through my twenties and. I, I quit drinking seven years ago and I said, and I still go to AA regularly. And I said, and it's not because I needed to stay sober. I, I do it because it helps somebody else and somebody was there to help me and I want to give back. And so these three very mean looking border patrol agents all kind of looked at each other. They were ready to, to eat my lunch and they all looked at each other and they said, well, I got nothing. And, and they moved on with the interview. And you still go to your meetings now, how are they different now um, as opposed to when you first started? It was a desperation. I needed meetings. Um, 
and and I still need meeting some. If I haven't been to a meeting in a little while and I'm a little grumpy, my wife will say, "How long has it been since you've been to a meeting?" And uh, so so they still they still do good for me, but I I go now because it, it's it's something I enjoy doing. It, it's I, I'm I'm happy to go now. And, and you know, and early on, I just I couldn't figure out. I showed up that first night. I showed up, and all these people are are hugging and talking and laughing, and I I couldn't figure out what I was like. Well, then they they must not be alcoholics because they're, they're way too happy. You know what's wrong with these people? And um and and I figured out that that if you if you just do what these real simple suggestions. If you just do a couple things, uh, the world opens up to you. You can do just about anything by not doing one thing. It's an interesting way to look at it. Just that first step and then the next one. And I did the steps twice because um, uh, for me, uh, brutal honesty was important, which is why I picked a, 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 a drill sergeant. Um, I couldn't do one of the sayings in AA is fake it till you make it, which which just drives me crazy because I spent my 20s lying, doing what I had to do to to get that next drink. And so I I when I showed up to AA, I wasn't going to fake anything. I, I you know, if I was having a good day, I'd tell you I was having a good day. If I was having a bad day, I'd tell you that, too. It just it I had to be honest. So I worked the steps twice. I got to uh, I got to ten, step ten in the program, and because I started out as an atheist, I just the the life that that, that I had led, I just couldn't believe that there was a higher power. I I just couldn't do it, and so I had to figure out how to work the steps and how to do them faithfully and honestly as an atheist, and that took me a while, and then. I got to step 10 and and I found my higher power. So I had to go back to this room that was full of people that were that didn't like that I was an atheist and didn't like that I wasn't doing the steps they want the way they wanted. And I had to go to that meeting and say, yeah, I guess what I'm going to start the steps over because I found a higher power and and let them gloat. And I, I really didn't like that. But my program was a program of brutal honesty. And so when I found a higher power, I had to go tell them I, I found a higher power that works for me. And so I started over. Wow. Back to, back to step one, but in a new mindset. But, but yeah, but, but including the higher power part in, you know, how do yeah. you do it without a higher power? And then, okay, well now I have to rethink it and I have to rework these steps, but, but include my higher power in, in that thought process. Did it change your thought process a lot? Not a whole lot, not a whole lot, but um, I just felt like I'd worked real hard to done a lot of mental gymnastics to get around the steps without including a higher power. And, and so I just had to go back. The, the second time through didn't really take that long because not a whole lot changed, but I just felt like it was something I needed to do because I, I don't know because they, you know, they said, you know, that this is what's going to keep you alive is working these steps. And so I had to I had to work them in a way that was right for me. And then that way was no longer right. So I had to start over and work them again. 
It sounds like this concept of brutal honesty has really been important in this process for you. It, it, it absolutely has. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I try real hard to to stay away from even white lies. Um, I, it happens. It happens to all of us. But but I try to be honest in everything as much as I can without hurting somebody's feelings. Sometimes sometimes it's it's uh, omissions just better. Sometimes saying nothing is better than than saying what you really think. And, and so sometimes I have to do that. You know, uh, uh, if 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 there's personality clashes at work or something like that, it, instead of telling them what I really think of them and instead of lying, I just won't say anything. What do you think was the biggest challenge to your recovery? Oh, just learning how to live, I think. Be, because I had started drinking so young, um, when I got sober and I started living a normal life, I had to figure out everything. I had to figure out how to date. Uh, you know, I didn't... I, I don't think I'd ever had an adult relationship in my life because alcohol had always been involved. And so um, even for a little while, just um, with the first couple of girlfriends I had, it was pretty awkward because, you know, and my, my emotional growth was stunted at, at probably the age of 12 or 13. So, so I had a lot of growing up to do. I had to figure out how to live life. What does recovery look like for you today? It's, it sounds like the brutal honesty and, and trying to be as truthful as possible is part of that. Sometimes I just feel like it's on autopilot, you know, um, I, I still go to meetings, but, but I don't, I don't struggle anymore. And so I do these things that I, I'm sure it helps me too, but, but helping others is, is really very important to me. And because if, if nobody had been there for me, I, I would be dead. I, I have no doubt that I would be dead. Uh, I would have died many years ago. And so because somebody was there for me, it's important that I'm there for somebody else. So that's 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 the biggest part of it, I guess. Now, um, the rest of it's just living life. It's just happy, joyous, and free. Uh, the, the doors that, that have opened up because I don't do one thing are, are beyond imagining. It, you know, the, the stuff that I do in life now is just – Things that I never thought I would do. How do you think it has changed you in recovery from the person you were in your twenties? Well, like I said, I don't. I don't think that I was a bad person. I, I my first ex-wife, she she would say that you know that she she got a, a good hour hour and a half, and then the lights went off. You know that that the light went out of my eyes because I was drinking, and. I wasn't, I, I don't think I was, I, I still, I still tried to be a kind person as much as possible, but that was, that was number two or number three on the list because, you know, getting alcohol was number one. It was, it, it was always number one. Is there anything you put into practice? You said helping others. Are there any things that you do um, that help maintain that recovery now? I, I, that's a, that's a big part of it. Um really helping others is is what 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 I think I I get out of it I mean besides helping others which is important is um if I need a reminder of who I don't want to be I go to to that low bottom club and I and I see people who are who are going through the things that I went through you know 20 years ago and 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 just that reminder of that that I could have that back in five minutes if I wanted. 
you know, that, and so, so that I have to keep that in, in, in the front of my mind that no, I, I don't get to drink anything ever, but I, I don't really know why I would want to. It doesn't, you know, I, I have no problem going to a concert or a bar or, you know, a, a work function where people drink that it, that that's not a temptation for me. But but I can see what what my first wife saw. I can see the lights go out. People think they're having fun, but they're just not part of themselves. And 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 usually the best part of them has kind of gone away. And and I don't want that light to go out. You know, I'm perfectly content drinking a Coca Cola and and you know doing my thing. What would you say to someone who may be trying to decide if they should be getting help? You know, give it a try. Give it, give it a real try. Give it thirty days, and and if you hate it, you can always start drinking again. You know, it's. But we'll always be there when you decide to quit. It's. I know that for me, it felt like getting alcohol. It was like it was a desperation. Like I was going to die if I didn't drink. Now I I knew that I wasn't going to die if if something happened and I couldn't drink. I wouldn't die. I'd just be miserable. But it was that kind of obsession that, that I, it was that important to find alcohol. And you can have that back anytime you want. But the, the things that you can have the, by just not drinking, you know, give it 30 days and you'll probably like what you see. And if you don't, it's real easy to go back and, and you can have the other one back anytime you want. Why should anybody decide to seek help if there are clearly some understandable reasons why they began drinking in the first place? The life that you will get in return that the you may not get everything back that 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 you've lost through the drinking, but but the things that you will gain by not drinking so far outweigh um, what what you think it is that drinking is giving to you. And, and I, I get it that that's hard to believe. I've been on the other side. But anything, almost anything you want in this world is attainable if you just don't do one thing. It really, really is. Anything else you'd like to add? If if you're on the fence about it, like, just give it a try. Um, give it give it more than a couple days because you have to you have to let the stuff leave your system. But, uh, you know, give it 30 days and, and I, I, I would bet you money that things may not be better yet, but they certainly won't be worse. You know, and, and if you can do 30 days, then, then try 60 and you're going to see. And, you know, if you can, if you can do 60, then, then you can do anything. You really can. You know, make a make a list of of what what drinking gives you and what drinking takes away, and and see which one's longer. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Living in Recovery. If you or someone you know needs help, reach out to the Employee Assistance Program to reach a licensed professional counselor at one eight hundred seven five five seven zero zero two. For additional resources related to the Substance and Alcohol Misuse Prevention Program, please visit the CBP Wellness and Resilience Program page on CBPNet. You can also send questions directly to cbpresilience at cbp.dhs.gov.